welcome back to another edition of Food for Thought, a bonus show of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And thank you to Missouri Meersham, SmokingPipes.com, Savinelli, Pipes, and Cornell and Deal. Because of them, we're able to do these shows. And this time we are talking, as my, uh, as my automatic calendar said, we're talking coffee with Jeffrey. however i'm pretty sure nobody calls him jeffrey anymore except for maybe his parents and his wife when he's in trouble uh but we're we're talking coffee with jeff grasick of j allen pipes you know jeff famous for uh for uh ask the pipe maker well this time we're asking the coffee maker about coffee because because one of my first memories of you was at a Kansas City pipe show mm-hmm. in 2005 or six, something like that, where you actually had coffee beans for sale on your table. So, Jeff Grasick, yeah, welcome to the show. Let's go back to the beginning. First of all, when you know you got fascinated with coffee at a young age. Yeah, I I, I was intrigued by it, and it's it's funny that. Like a lot of my hobbies, a lot of the things that I, I've been attracted to in my adult life, they're things that were absent from my home as a child. Uh, I come from a non-smoking family, <laughs> yet I am a professional pipe maker. Um, I have never seen nor smelled uh, tobacco being smoked in my home. I come from a non-drinking family, yet mm-hmm. I love my whiskeys and uh, am, am a big fan of uh, craft beer. Um, and likewise, I come from a non-coffee drinking family and had always been attracted to the idea of coffee and taught myself to, I, I, I said, well, I'm going it, to, it's, it's an acquired taste, right? So I'm going yeah. I'm, I'm to be determined to acquire it when I'm in college. <laughs> so did you start out, you know, while you're in college, hanging out at the coffee shops and finding that favorite brew? You know, it would make sense if that were the case, uh, but I went to college in a tiny, tiny college town, the kind of college town that's in the middle of a cornfield, and the population of the city doubles when school is in session. <laughs> uh, but I, and I use uh, city very loosely. Uh, it was a town of about 3,500, 4,000 people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So there was no coffee shop unless you considered the McDonald's at the uh, uh, interstate. Um, to be the coffee shop. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, we'll we'll talk yeah. about how bad McDonald's coffee is eventually, but it's only a dollar. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, and I, you know, I'm going to spoiler. I'm, I'm offer a spoiler right now, but I think McDonald's coffee is actually pretty good. Ooh, he's I dry. know, sacrilege, sacrilege, but we'll get there. Jeffrey dropping the bomb early. All right. <laughs> All right, so your your personal path of discovery into coffee. Now, can you just kind of kind of break down for us? The, there's different kinds of beans and different origins. Like there like there is with right. tobacco. There's Virginias and Orientals, and and then all the other stuff that gets gooped up with flavor. Um, mm-hmm. Coffee comes from different places too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and kind of like um, like tobacco, where you know it was. Uh, domestic to um, North America and spread around the world. And now different, you know, strains and varietals are, are, are specialties of different areas of the world. And people can, you know, taste the differences in qualities. We have that in the coffee world as well. There are two basic types of beans. There's Arabica and Robusto. 
Uh, Robusto is famous uh, for having been developed to uh, to be sold by like Folgers. It's cheap coffee. Um, okay. It it packs a wallop of caffeine, um, and it the beans themselves are actually physically larger, so they uh, the, the trees are more productive um, as as a result, and they uh, it's much much cheaper to produce robusto and packs more of a kick. It also tastes like garbage. <laughs> tastes, tastes like my my grandparents' house coffee, which that's right. was all milk and sugar, really. Right. That's why you had to have milk and sugar is because the coffee itself actually didn't taste that good, and people were using it. I, I mean, I'm I'm generalizing here, but for for my purposes, it's it's more of a means to an end. It's a means to a coffee hit. It's it, you know. Not to offend any of your listeners, but it's it's not unlike uh, you know smoking cigarettes. Like it's not about the practice of doing it. It's not about stopping in contemplation, enjoying the flavors in the tobacco. It's about getting a nicotine hit, it's, and that's kind of the category that I put robusto um, coffee into. It's not about the three minute discussion that we had prior to recording over which pipe I should smoke while we're recording. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. So it's uh, I think pipe smoking is almost inherently contemplative and uh, and, and inspires uh, argument and conversation. So going we're going to jump way forward and then we're going to jump back because I'm going to okay. try to confuse you as much as I'm confused. <laughs> so part of the part of the thing for the co for coffee with you is also the preparation and the process of making that cup of coffee kind of like packing a pipe and then sitting down with it yeah yeah it's you know it's the ritual yeah. uh the practice of of um of coffee is part of my enjoyment of it um when i was in college to to bounce back a little mm -hmm. bit i uh you know there being no good coffee shops at my school at least when i first started um, I got the deal that so many people do where, uh, do you remember Javalia coffee? Have you heard of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, for every the magazine thing. in the world has, yeah. Hey, you know, you get a free pound or two free pounds of coffee and a free coffee maker Yeah, and it's a, a subscription, right? Yeah. So, uh, I got that and found out my grandmother who was a, uh, she's, she always smelled of coffee in the same way that like you walk into a, uh, a, a you know, someone who is a two pack a day smoker and their whole yeah. house smells like the bottom of an ashtray. Yeah. Um, my grandmother smelled like, like a coffee pot and, uh, <laughs> and it was, it was endearing. It was endearing yeah. to me. It was like one of my, one of my memories. So she also drank Javalia coffee and I thought, Oh, this uh, it's fancy. Look, it has this Royal crest on it and it comes with like, what a great deal. I could afford it cause I was a poor college student. And, um, Turns out it was packaged in my hometown of Meadville, Pennsylvania. It wasn't <laughs> Swedish after all. <laughs> oh, the the irony. <laughs> so, you know, it, it quickly dispelled that notion of fanciness. But it did introduce me to different um, different roasts of coffee. They, they did advertise that it was Arabica, not Robusto, which we talked about mm -hmm. before. So Arabica, they're smaller beans. They tend to have more varietal characteristics. Um, so you can detect different flavors that are, um, like, like the, with the terroir and wine. Yeah. Um, so similarly with coffee, different elevations, the soil quality, what other, 
plants are being grown on the farms. And I use farm loosely in a lot of countries. A lot of times it's just someone's, uh, a, a, a very poor family um, has um, banana trees and blueberries and um, uh, coffee trees kind of all growing together. And the flavors kind of leach together. It's a strange, strange thing. Yeah. All right, so when we were in Costa Rica recently, we drove by banana plantations, and then there was coffee mm-hmm. plantations right next door. So mm-hmm. I was hoping that the bananas had a little coffee taste to them, but they and? didn't. No, they just tasted really good. I mean, just, oh, good. <laughs> just really good bananas. But anyway, yeah. so with Arabica, it does matter where it's grown, whether it's uh, Central America, South America. There's even some African Arabica now. Well, not not now. Actually, Africa is the origin of it is the North America uh, of, for tobacco. It's uh, it is the origin of all coffee. Uh, all coffee came from Ethiopia. OK. And it was, oh, gosh, probably in the 1400s, I'm, I want to say that um, that some coffee plants were stolen, they think, by um, by marauders, by pirates, by someone. And they, I mean, they were carefully protected by um, Ethiopians as kind of a national treasure. And they used to chew on the on the leaves as well, because the leaves have caffeine in them. Um, and they stole some coffee trees and took them to Yemen, where they then uh, started uh, planting and expanding production there. And then it made its way to Europe. So Sinbad's real problem wasn't he was chasing after gold and everything. He was trying to steal coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And it was it was uh it was a serious serious um uh change in in beverages that people consumed because you know uh you know prior to that it had been alcohol and and beer uh yeah. beer wine you know that that kind of thing. And coffee took over as another beverage that people could drink and it was it at one time was like part of like the the aristocracy that you uh it was very fancy to consume coffee uh it wasn't like for the common people and then coffee ha- coffee has been associated with you know social uh social change with revolutions political revu- revolutions is you know during um uh, uh 19th century in 19th century france people used to gather in coffee houses before you know to to, <laughs> to have public meetings and then go overthrow the government cut their heads off <laughs> don't take the if you go to france don't deny them a smoke a glass of wine or a cup of coffee there there That's will right. be a revolution there there's a book and i'm I, i'm struggling to remember the name of it but i believe it's called the devil's brew um and it it kind of outlines the history of coffee and it's a really enjoyable read um uh, particularly because um it its central thesis is Coffee is responsible for all of modernity. <laughs> I mean, not to make the outlandish uh, and you know overly embellish their uh, <laughs> their claims, but that that is what they say. They're like, you know, there would have been no enlightenment had it not been for coffee, because people were drinking too much alcohol and it was rotting their brains, and then they started like coffee came on the scene, and suddenly IQs shot up, and the enlightenment happened. Um, and I was, wow. they, they, they make a, they make a, you know, they're really tenuous, uh, claims, but I, it's, it's entertaining to listen to. 
All or right. To read rather. So you so when do you get into um to roasting your own beans? I have actually been roasting coffee longer than I have been making or smoking a pipe. I started roasting coffee in 2001, I want to say. Um, and it was largely because it, similar reasons for uh, the, as the ones that drove me to explore making pipes that I'm inherently curious. I wanted to know part of the process and I really like to get my hands dirty and do it myself. And I discovered this website, which is still around. They're uh, one of the greatest, uh, one of the best suppliers for home roasters in the country. It's called Sweet Maria's out of Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. And they detail on their website how to roast coffee. Here's what to look for. Here are the flavors that you can detect in each of the coffees that we are offering. And he travels all around the world sourcing bags of coffee from uh, individual farmers, as well as from you know major distributors, so wow. you can get some really rare and interesting stuff. All right, so can you can you give us some basic flavor profiles of what you might be looking for in some of the some of the different beans, and then after that, how does the roasting process modify that? Right. So, coffee is coffee. You know, kind of exists on a. There's a, there's a spectrum of flavors like you would expect within anything, not, not unlike tasting beers or wines or tobaccos for that matter. Um, so everything tastes like coffee, but within that you can detect different flavors. And I would, I would kind of put it on a spectrum of like your dark flavors mm-hmm. up through light flavors and dark flavors being like cocoa, chocolate, um, yeah. uh, all the way through, um, fruit flavors. So like Apple, uh, strawberries, blueberries, one of my favorite uh, flavors in coffee, and then to more floral uh, or citrus and then floral um, uh, flavors. You can, my goodness, some of the, the, the floral aromas you can get from coffee, it's, it's almost like drinking tea. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So then, you, so then you find a bean that you kind of like. Mm-hmm. And then the what in in the roasting process you are manipulating it again, right? Right. So the, what the roast does is you're trying. If if you were to try to brew green or unroasted coffee, it would it would taste really. Uh, gosh, I mean, the, basically it would taste earthy. It would just taste kind of like grass with some other flavors in it. It's uh, it would not be appetizing to you nor to me. <laughs> and as you are roasting it, you're you're helping to bring those flavors out to develop those flavors. You want to caramelize the sugars that are inside of this coffee, mm-hmm. and you also are um, causing the the cellular structure to to change. So it is, and 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 you're also evaporating water out of it and your tr- the, the roaster's challenge is to balance the flavor of the roast and the flavor the natural flavors that exist within the coffee so you want to highlight those flavors in the coffee assuming of course that they're good flavors to highlight otherwise yeah. otherwise you just want to roast the hell out of it to get rid of those flavors <laughs> and uh incidentally incidentally you know uh, 
for years and years when Starbucks came came along, you know, the French roast was the thing. Oh man, I want a dark, oily roast. Yeah, yeah I want it to be have this real coffee punch. The French roast is the thing. The French roast came about because the French were unable to source good quality coffee. <laughs> they got such poor quality coffee that they would just roast it until you couldn't taste the coffee anymore, and you're essentially drinking charcoal. <laughs> that I like, but yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Just know that if you were to take it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like buying a super high quality steak and ro and then uh, uh, preparing it well done, maybe with a little ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> so they were they were essentially saying, all right, we've got these crappy beans. Yeah. But how people need to drink? Yeah, <laughs> how sell them? Yeah, how black can we make them? Uh huh. And how quickly can we get people to actually like this and buy it? Right. 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 And <laughs> and so I, I I just find it funny that Starbucks they actually source really good coffees, but they have cultivated an audience that likes dark roasts, and it's just it's a waste. Yeah. From my in my, in my opinion. Now, when you're so in in the roasting process, you take it from green to different colors of black, and you're and you're trying mm -hmm. to figure out somewhere in there that magic spot. It's kind of like, right? It, it's kind of like aging a pipe tobacco. You want to find that perfect peak of the flavor you're looking mm -hmm. for, and then you, and then you want to consume it. Um, but I would assume you can also over roast it and hurt it, and then you end yeah. up then you're a Frenchman. Um, well, or, or Italian, you know, the, or, the, the Italian roast is even darker or the Italian <laughs> Dep roast. depending on depending on the area of the country. Yeah. But then you also have the process of brewing it, which can change the way it tastes very yeah. by the varied brew styles. Right. So you've, you've got only like you've got preparation method and then you have all the factors that go into it. And this is where it gets really, really geeky. Um, <laughs> oh, good. You can, uh, you can adjust all. I mean, there aren't many parameters, but they can all be adjusted. And each one of those little adjustments will affect the flavor. So there are multiple variables when it comes to the coffee. So when you're roasting the coffee, there are, um, let, let's, let's call it like two basic um, landmarks that you're looking for when you're roasting. Uh, called first crack and second crack. Um, first crack, it, it it sounds like popcorn is popping, and that is the stage in the roasting where the the bean is turning brown, and the moisture inside the bean is uh, trying to escape as steam, okay. and it physically cracks the structure of the bean. So that's what you're hearing, and um, it has a particular sound to it. Then there's a a space. There's a, there's a gap in time, and then suddenly the cracking starts again, and it's called second crack. And that, uh, as I understand it, is more of a, a it, like the cell, cellular structure itself is breaking down and it's causing cracking. There, I, there is a third crack, but usually that is very, uh, it, it is accompanied by fire. Um, <laughs> so we try not to get there. Um, I typically will roast my coffees um, into the first crack and possibly like between the first and second crack. That's the, the flavor that that's where I'm able to develop the flavors that I'm looking for in the coffees that I like to buy. Um, I don't get some people, um, like for instance, there's a coffee shop here in San Diego that I love 
And it, it, one of the co-owners, the roaster, is a former engineer. And I love the engineer's <laughs> mind because he has a he, 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 he actually tracks every single one of his roasts. And it accounts for the ambient temperature, the ambient humidity, um, the, uh, the, the humidity of the or the water content of the coffee that he puts into the roaster. And then it tracks how quickly the roaster came up the temperature, what temperature he came, like how quickly he ramped it, all of those factors. Um, so he can control for them and repeat the work on refining his process to repeat the uh, flavor profile that he's looking for. Of course, the, <laughs> the thing that you can't account for here is that even, even for controlling all of those, those parameters, harvest to harvest coffee is different, yeah. even from the same farm. And so the profile he de- that he developed for a 2020 crop from uh, a particular farm at a certain altitude in Ethiopia, he developed, you know, he had, let's say he got two bags or 288 pounds of coffee. He's developed this profile. The next year he buys from the same place and his profile or the roast profile that he developed needs to be altered. Wow. So it's a really dynamic process. And I understand probably for a lot of your listeners, this is this is way too geeky. Like, just give me a cup of coffee. I'll let me go through the drive through. I just want it to taste good. I don't want it to taste burned like uh, airplane coffee or something. But if you really get into it, it it's a really for, for me, I got sucked into it in the same way that I got sucked into pipes. It There's so much. It's kind of like walking through that door. And until you get to that door. You can't really see what's beyond it. And once you see what's beyond it, it's like the forest. Like it's walking yeah. outside and just seeing how much there is to explore. Now, it's and exciting. It, and, and I don't care if people think this is geeky. I'm, you know, I'm geeky about certain things. And uh, it's a pipe podcast after all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no pipe guy ever made it on the cover of GQ for being fashionable and stylish. Um, but yet, 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 I joke. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I love my coffee. I need yeah. to have two good cups of coffee in the morning before anybody talks to me. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I might be a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> um, but at the same time, later on in the day, this is where I wanted to have you on and talk to you is because later on in the afternoon, I like to have one more really good cup of coffee and I'm wide mm-hmm. awake so I can go through this process of making coffee. You know, mm-hmm. so this is this is the part that's getting me excited because now I can you know roast my own beans. I yeah. have a I you know I have one of those hot press things that you can do. Oh, the, like French press. Or yeah, the, the French press. press, and I have an air mm-hmm. I have an arrow press, and then there's pour overs, and then if I really wanted to get really geeky, I'm sorry to say this, but this may be blasphemy for you, but we have a K cup machine, and I could make my own little K cups at home. Uh, That makes remarkably good coffee. And I have a Breville espresso machine. Okay. Yeah, and they make really good espresso machines. So what is Jeff, what is the Jeff Grasick, J. Allen Pipes favorite preferred Mm. roast and and way of making a cup of coffee? Well, my favorite roast, it's like I said, it does vary depending on the bean, but it's largely um, a, I, I would call it a full city roast in coffee roasting terminology. 
Uh, that means that it has gone into that first crack that we discussed. And it, for me, is the, the balance between roast and varietal characteristics that I'm looking for in a cup of coffee. Um, I generally will take a Central American coffee okay. and mix it with a South American coffee and then an Ethiopian. And the reason I use those is because uh, South American coffee is like a Colombia or a Brazil. And we're talking uh, more estate coffees, not um, not huge coffee farms that are, are making for our mass production. Um, they that is like those are like uh, in musical terms. Those are like my bottom notes. That's the base. That's what I'm looking for to kind of hold down uh, down the blend. It's uh, it's the deeper chocolate. It's uh, some there's a little bit of earthiness in there, uh, and then for Central American, it will have um, th- those are like the mid mid notes. That's yep. like uh, it it'll have again some of that chocolate, but it's like a lighter um, uh, light lighter characteristics to that. And then I like to add the Ethiopian and. If I'm really lucky, like I was this year, I was able to get my hands on um, an Ethiopian coffee that has the exact flavor profile I'm looking for, which is really heavy, um, immediately recognizable fruit notes. And when I say that, I mean, if you walked into my house when I have ground, like I'm grinding this coffee or pulling a shot uh, with my espresso machine and your eyes were closed you would smell blueberries and wow. it is no joke. It is absolutely unmistakable. And the, and those guys from the, uh, from the FDA didn't want a cup of your coffee. I, I, yeah, I think yeah. they thought I was trying to bribe them. I was just trying to be, Hey, let me, let me share my passion with you. And they, they weren't interested. All right. So is your, so is your, <laughs> is your process of brewing? Is it always an espresso style? Almost always espresso. Okay. Um, we, my, my wife and I have, we usually start off the day with, um, uh, with an Americano. Mm-hmm. And I like that because uh, it lasts me a bit longer. Although recently I've been doing almost all espresso. Um, so I'll usually start with an Americano, maybe have another Americano an hour later, and then have, you know, uh, an espresso um, after lunch. So that's right. the equivalent of like, I don't know, six, six shots because each one is a double shot. And do you have, so that's your preference, but does the Mm -hmm. French press or the air press do those, you know, I mean, do you modify your way in? Yeah. Do you you wiggle those in at all? And then do you prefer a slightly different roast when you're working with those? Um, No, I don't prefer a different roast. Um, The, the type of roast that you have will affect the way that you approach the extraction process for um, uh, French press, especially. So yeah. I find that lighter roasts need to uh, need to steep in the co- or in the hot water longer yeah. than darker roasts do. And uh, of course, you know the grind size affects that as yeah. well. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to that yet. Haven't gotten to grind size. We haven't gotten to water temperature. Water different water temperatures will extract different flavors um, than, or, or will focus on like a different bandwidth of flavors in uh, in the coffee. And then also the uh, for espresso, the pressure at which you extract the coffee, like micro adjustments in the pressure, can dramatically change the cup that you taste afterwards. 
I'm not like I know all this stuff, and I have done these tests maybe like ten years ago. I had a, uh, an opportunity to work with a coffee shop here and explore those things on my own. It was fascinating. These days, I just really want a good cup of coffee. Hurry, <laughs> <laughs> hurry up! I'm not getting the I'm not getting yeah. the micro. Just give me the coffee now. That's right. That's right. And and you know um, the funny thing about about Arabica coffee beans. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Robusto has higher caffeine content, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, Arabica has lower caffeine content, and also when you extract for espresso, it extracts more of the coffee oils while leaving behind a lot of the caffeine. The, the common understanding, which is a fallacy is that there, that espresso has a very high uh, caffeine content and that's simply not true. It's been, it's, it's actually been tested in laboratories. Uh, Illy, um, you know, Illy coffee. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he, he was a chemist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and had a like a very serious laboratory where they did test after test after test, and that's how they um, were able to define the Illy flavor, keep it consistent, and also ship it around the world to uh, uh, w- with a fixed um, uh, uh, fixed quality control. They were really really uh, ahead of the game. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's similar. That's also similar to pipe tobacco, where the you know the black Cavendish is milder lower nicotine lower everything because it's gone through all these processes and i think that's also one of the reasons why i like a dark a dark roast coffee because it's got lower mm-hmm. caffeine than the brighter roasts do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i get more flavor yeah, the, the roast does burn off some of the caffeine as you're suggesting yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay all right now we're gonna go way back when you are roasting, okay. when you're roasting your beans, when you've got the, mm-hmm. when you got the Jay Allen secret sauce of beans, uh, right. how many pounds of beans are you buying at the same time? Uh, do I better known as how much storage space do I need in the kitchen now that I have to beg my wife and blame you for? Well, I would, uh, recommend that you put this in your garage. Um, <laughs> as I do, I usually buy 20 to 30 pounds of coffee at a time Okay, of, of green coffee. And that's just because I don't want to reorder. Now, I have friends who I have gotten into coffee roasting out here who buy, you know, a couple pounds at a time because they're more interested in exploring flavors. So they'll only roast a quarter pound and cup it. And, you know, um, they're, you know, that's particular to their personality. And also the fact that I think that they're more new in coffee roasting Uh and that they're trying to develop their own, uh, maybe get get a lay of the land uh, where I I'm less interested in exploring uh, these days than I am in just making good coffee. Um, so I have, it's just, you know, a little box, but yeah. I, I'm, ma- I'm making signals. We're on video right now. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. <laughs> I, I realize now in radio that no one can see what I'm doing. Everybody saw <laughs> that two foot square that you put in front of your face. That's right. Let's say one cubic foot. Yeah. Um, okay. Size matters, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now and the roaster that I, I roasted a, it it can do a pound at a time, but I find it's more efficient doing about 10 ounces. Now, I have a drum roaster by a company called Beemore. Um, uh, the roaster, if you drink a lot of coffee and you're, you're doing the math, um, if, if you just want to make a financial decision and you drink, let's say you go through a pound of coffee every two weeks, it'll take about a year for it to uh, pay for itself. Boy, you knew where I was going, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, we go through about a pound and a half of coffee a week. Um, so it, you know, it paid itself off 15 years ago. How long does it take you to roast those beans? Um, I try to keep my roast at about 14, 15 minutes before okay. going into the cooling stage. And then, so, and, so if you really wanted to be super snooty, uh, mm -hmm. you could roast the beans right then and then let them go into the, how long does the cooling stage take before I'm getting a cup of coffee here? Cause uh, you know, I'm, uh, well, it's not, it, th this is not for the impatient. And <laughs> the reason is, so it, it takes 15 minutes to roast the coffee more or less and about 12 minutes to cool down. But coffee does something strange. You've all noticed like when you go to the grocery store and you buy your pound of Starbucks or Pete's or, or whatever coffee mm -hmm. on the shelf, right? In yep. a bag. It has that little valve in it, right? You can squeeze it and smell the coffee. That's the little fart, the fart escape valve. It, that's, yeah, that's a one-way valve. And the reason they have that on there is coffee after it is roasted continues to develop. To develop. It is an organic material. And it off-gasses carbon dioxide. And the flavor, if you were to take it straight out of the roaster and taste it, the flavor would be really bland. Even for the, like the most flavorful of coffees, huh. would be really bland. It takes about 48 hours, 48 to 72 hours for the flavor to really blossom. So after I roast coffee, I will rest it for about two days before I make a cup of coffee with it. Okay, so we're not doing that and then making a cup of coffee real quick. So you're, You so can, you're, it just won't be any good. Yeah, well, we're, we're only looking for good <laughs> stuff. If we didn't want any good, I can make that anytime I want. Uh, I, so then we're... So now we're, we've got to plan ahead. You got to have all your supplies and everything. You got to plan 48 mm -hmm. hours ahead, which may not always work for some of us that don't plan ahead so well, but <laughs> so you, so you've made, you're making about a, you're roasting about a pound at a time. So I'm going to guess you're probably, you know, for you're probably roasting a one week supply and then waiting two and then waiting two days and knowing that that's when you're going to use it. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of know when my, uh, my my hopper on my grinder uh, gets to a certain level that it's yeah. time for me to go roast some coffee. I do. Uh, I mentioned that I, I normally do a blend of three different beans, but I actually roast those beans independently of one another. And the okay. reason that you do that is each each bean, um, because they were grown at different farms, different environments. Um, they will roast at different rates. There are size and density issues that uh, affect the yeah. time that it takes to roast it. So if you were to roast, let's just say throw all of them in together um, and try to roast it for 15 minutes or, or however long, you would have some beans that might be underdone and some that are overdone, but it wouldn't be a consistent roast. So I try to get all of them to about the same uh, degree of roast so that the flavor profiles are going to be compatible and also, when I grind them, the grind density will be about the same as well. Otherwise, like it, it will affect extraction and yada yada. So then, at some point, you mix these different beans after you've roasted them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you put them in. You, you you've got one of them big fancy big hopper things that grinds a cup, you know, grinds a cup at a time. Yep. Yep. Have you figured out how to make sure that you have the right mixture of beans per 
grind in there because you might be able to get you know you, you might get a little shot or two that's got too much of this and not enough of yeah. that i mean if i were there are some people who are uh who are that studious <laughs> <laughs> you can say you so can say anal retentive. To say this. anal um, retentive yeah uh, yes yeah who will actually measure out each varietal by weight um what i do is i take all three of them and i put them in a big stainless steel bowl and stir it with my hand and then put them in a um uh, a one a, a container that i have that has a one-way valve on it let it sit for two days is there some marrying of the flavors at that point while they're while uh, they're sitting there possibly possibly but because you're consuming them all together it would be it's not possible for me to discern any difference okay is it is it really important to you that you that you grind the beans at the at the you know that the that the coffee the cup that you're making right now is just freshly ground absolutely absolutely so um, I mentioned on the front end that it takes time you need to let the beans off gas because they are the it's organic and it's developing, right? Yep. Well, the same is true on the back end. Um, coffee has a, it has a, a period of time in which it is good to consume, after which it's not so good. And it is about two weeks. So you're going to lose two days on the front and, and two weeks from the date of roast, it's kind of not so good anymore. Now, it's going to be better than what you can buy at the grocery store. You know, it used to be some of the very best coffee roasters that uh, when they started selling in stores, it was such a big deal. Like these little craft roasteries would say um, roasted on yeah. and it would give you the roast date. And that way you knew this coffee's only a week old. It's great. And they were serving people like me who were skeptical of like these um, beloved roasteries who were now selling in big box stores. Mm -hmm. like, how can they possibly do it? But over time, they have, uh, as they realized it, that that process is less efficient than they thought it would be, <laughs> that you will find the best before. And it's about six months that they give it. <laughs> uh, so I don't buy coffee off the shelf if I can avoid it, with the exception of, and I'm very fortunate to have in, in my neighborhood, I have um, an award-winning um, coffee roastery it's one of the uh, best in san diego so when i forget to roast coffee i can just drive down the hill and pick it up from bird rock coffee roasting so the, the this is uh, quite a process and and as, and of course it's an art form and then i've seen occasionally where you put up pictures of your little fancy art designs that you pour on the top oh, yeah. of the cups the, la the latte art yeah yeah and yeah I've yeah that lattes used to be my daily drink and I, I was fortunate to have become friends with the owner of um, San Diego's prob probably their first artisan coffee roastery. And this is when I first moved here. I actually used to take my daughter, who is now 13, I used to take her in her car seat <laughs> into the coffee roastery at like 6 in the morning. And I would sit with the roaster and the owner, and we would cup the coffees. And that's how I learned to discern different flavors. Yeah, uh, You know, I got... I, I got to the point where I could blind tasting, uh, taste coffees and tell you the origin. Um, I, that was a long time ago and, and I'm not nearly so discerning as I used to be, but it did teach me a lot about what my preferences were, how, how to taste coffee, what to look for. Um, and, uh, uh, 
that's you know that that was just a really informative time for me all right we got a few minutes left because i could talk about coffee all day uh, <laughs> except the cup of community coffee is probably not really impressing you that i've just got done drinking but um are, well, are are there some off the shelf coffees that you've had that you like? Are there some yeah more mass consum more more consumer friendly things besides having to buy all these devices and sit and wait two days? Right. So uh, to I want to answer that in two parts. One is to back up and say you don't need to have all this stuff to make to, to roast coffee. Yeah. I started. With going to the by going to the thrift store and picking up an air popper for popcorn, <laughs> and yeah. you can you can do four ounces of coffee at a time, and I would sit there and stir it with a uh, with a wooden spoon, <laughs> and it takes about four minutes to roast four ounces of coffee. And if you want to if you want to dip your feet in the world of coffee roasting and explore and see if it's for you, and just learn a little bit more about something that you enjoy, um, that's a great way to do it. It's inexpensive and it's easy to do. Uh, sweetmarias.com, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, they have a tutorial on how to do that on their website. Super, super easy, really cheap. And I would encourage anybody who's uh, interested to give it a shot because it's, uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot. Um, now to the, what, what is the, what I would recommend as a, like uh, a mass market coffee that I think is good. Yeah. If I'm traveling or, you know, just out in, uh, out around town and I just want to taste coffee. Um, you know, I'll go to Starbucks. Um, mm -hmm. but frankly, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, McDonald's makes a good cup of coffee. I, I will, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that there were, there was a time where, and it may still be the case if I tasted them back to back, but McDonald's had roasteries around the country, like micro roasteries. They were trying to compete with, um, with Starbucks yeah. and they were winning their coffee to my palate was better than Starbucks. Ooh. I don't know if that's still true, but because I don't drink, I, I I make coffee at home, and I you know it's COVID nineteen time, so I don't yeah. really leave. And you work from home. <laughs> and I work from home. Yeah. Why would I? I I, I can make it here. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jeff. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, you know we had Jody on talking about home brewing of beer, and I'm never getting into that. But this uh. is <laughs> we got a shot of me trying this because. You know, a really good cup of coffee in, in the afternoon is one of my favorite things to look forward to. Oh, that's great. Well, and you, you will enjoy the aroma of roasting coffee, um, and, and your neighbors will too. And remember, I actually ate some J. Allen beans because you just had the beans sitting out there, so I was chomping <laughs> that's on right. them. Because we were... Like, hmm, okay, then. <laughs> we, well, we were in a convention center, and the coffee there was, you know, the equivalent of brown water. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coffee beans have they taste like coffee so uh jeff thanks again for coming on hey thanks so much for having me brian it's a pleasure and thank you again to smokingpipes.com missouri mearsham cornell and deal and savinelli pipes and uh, that's just been some food for thought <laughs> <laughs>